Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Doris Swift. This podcast is about a community of women who are rising above life's difficult circumstances and taking action where passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. I hope this podcast inspires and encourages you and other women as we all use our gifts to impact the world for Christ. Today, I welcome my friend, Amber Cullum. She is the podcast host behind the Grace Enough podcast. And first and foremost, she's a child of God. We talk about some really cool things, and I think you'll love what she has to say. How can we gain a new perspective on comparison? Because we all struggle with that, right? How can we experience the gift of Sabbath rest? And what is a Shabbat meal? Amber unpacks all this and more on this episode of the Fierce Calling Podcast. So listen in while I have a chat with Amber Cullum. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fierce Calling Podcast. Today I am welcoming my friend Amber Cullum. She is the host of the Grace Enough Podcast, wife to Sam, mom of three, a physical therapist, and she's a lover of connecting with people and learning about God's grace in their lives. I love that. Welcome to the show, Amber. Great to have you. Thanks so much, Doris, for having me today. And it's great to have you on, and it's exciting, too, because you have your podcast, Grace Enough, which is neat. So I would love to hear a little bit about that. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. And I would love for you to share a little bit about your story and where you're taking action, where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Yeah. So I grew up in Eastern Kentucky, a really small mountain town. Um, my parents grew up there, their parents, not all of their parents grew up there, but you know, just that small town where everybody like religion is kind of just part of the culture. Um, I can't say that everybody I knew went to church, but definitely if you didn't go to church actively, you still, somebody in your family did, or you probably did when you were growing up. And so I grew up in this area where I really just didn't know anything different than most people. I just assume believed in God or kind of knew a little bit about Jesus. But with that said, I didn't grow up going consistently, you know, to church with my family, um, it was kind of like we went a lot when I was younger and then we didn't go and I would go back and forth with my cousin sometimes. And then my sister was in middle school and she really wanted to go. She had a lot of friends that went. And so we just started going a lot more consistently at that point. And again, when you're in such a small town, um, I mean, the kids that I went to kindergarten with are the kids that I went, graduated high school with. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, some of my best friends, their parents were friends with my parents when they went to school. And so it's a very different way of life than, you know, I've lived in a city now since I've been an adult and it's just a very different type of life. And so in sixth grade, I came to know Jesus, but like so many other people spent the next, you know, 10, well, maybe not 10 years, but several years kind of waning back and forth, a lot of rebellion, a lot of moral failure. But at the same time, like there was always this yearning for, I I would always come back around when I was in my darkest place of listening to like this one Christian CD I had, 
or picking up like the new King James Version Bible that I cannot even hardly read now, but it's <laughs> what I had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just would always kind of go back to that. But it mm-hmm. was never something that was really solidified. And like so many other teenagers, um, you know, your friends matter so much. Your just other people's opinions matter so much. And so when I went away to college, I was at home my freshman year. I went to a community college. My parents were very much, um, you're just not quite ready to go away to a big university. And I was so angry about that and irritated. Mm -hmm. But realizing, you know, looking back how much better prepared I was once I did go away to the University of Kentucky. And that first year away, um, I ended up not living in a dorm, but with a couple of friends from home. And the one friend's sister, who was a little bit older than me and was one of my sister's very good friends, was involved at the, in the Fellowship of Christian Athletes at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And so it was through that college ministry where God just got a hold of my heart in a way that I never expected. And he filled my life with other believers who were really on the same journey as me. Some of them who had been following Christ closely for years and years. Some of them who were like me, I mean, just the year before in a state of rebellion and just going crazy, but had fallen in love with Jesus. And so from that point forward until really now, I mean, it's just been this journey with Christ of, you know, Lord, it really is your grace that Mm -hmm. sustains me. And the older I get and the longer that I walk with Jesus, the more that I realize that I need it. And the more I realize how much it has meant in my life because of how often I fall just completely off pursuing him. You know, it's like, thank God he pursues us because I thought, you know, I had it all together when I was younger, once I became a Christian. And then the older you get, you're like, no, you don't. Yeah. It's I'm all the grace of God. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And so, you know, that kind of led us. Um, we left. I, I married my husband after college. He's a very strong believer as well. And just so grateful for that. And we moved to Tampa and lived there for eight years. He is from the Largo area in Florida. And that was a gift in a way because we got to be around cousins and all my children were born there. Florida actually was not my favorite place to live, but um, it was a gift to be around cousins. And then about four years ago, he continued to work for his same job, but we moved up to Raleigh and uh, we love it here. It's just a beautiful place to live. And um, you learn when you move around some that God is the same God, no matter where you go. Mm-hmm. And even if you're lonely or you're looking for friends or, you know, what your purpose is, I, I always found comfort in that. Like, okay, God, you're the same God in Tampa that you are in Raleigh, that you are in Kentucky, no matter where we go. So that's just a little bit of my story. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. I love how you were talking about the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Yeah. Because that is a great great program, you know, and I know that we have that here at our high school. And so that's, that's a a great ministry to support, especially reaching the um, public schools. And I know that's that's really cool. So, and you are in 
a great place where the weather, because you have seasons there, right? We do. And that was the thing <laughs> about Florida that was real. I mean, I grew up in Kentucky where you have very much four very distinct seasons. Mm -hmm. But then living in Tampa, um, it took me a while to get used to it. But I definitely grew a little bit more to appreciate the fact that all winter long was nice, mm -hmm. um, that you had the freedom to go to the beach all the time, good things about it. But when we moved to Raleigh, the weather's a little bit more mild than it is in Kentucky. So like our winters, I mean, it really, you don't get that many days before you get a break where it may be in the 50s or 60s. And then, you know, our springs are long and nice and our falls are long and nice. Summer's hot, just like Florida, but it's just short. Yeah. You know, so you yeah. get the break or at night. I try to tell people, I'm like, the difference is when it hits eight o'clock at night in Raleigh, a lot of times you can walk outside and it feels a little bit cool. When it is July in Tampa and you walk outside, whether it's 6 a.m., 1 p.m., 5 p.m., or 12 a.m., it is always hot. <laughs> There's <Yeah>. no. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you're talking to a Jersey girl who moved to Florida in yes. ninth grade, so I could totally understand what you're talking about. That's right. Sure. That's right. Well, so. and you did ask about just where my calling and, you know, conviction, all of that kind of intersect. And I mean, goodness, isn't that just something that's constantly changing? That's yeah. definitely, um, but I will say with podcasting, which is what I'm doing right now, and I feel is something that God has called me to, it was a season of, I'm a stay-at-home mom and I have three kids, and I do have a heart to be with my kids in the sense of, I like being available to them when they need me. It's not always easy. I don't do it perfectly, but I do appreciate being able to do it. Mm -hmm. But I also was like, there are other things I want to do. Um, and that's kind of where podcasting came in. I love to connect with women and men. I love to hear their stories of how they came to know Jesus or what God's doing through their life in order for them to impact his kingdom. Mm -hmm. And so as I begin to think about, you know, how can I do that in my current place? That's kind of how podcasting came about. Cause I thought, what a great way to connect with people, you know, put out various people's, not just stories, but you know, we've talked about contentment. We've talked about all these different things. And then that helps facilitate conversation with my friends here as well. Yeah. So that's really, you know, what I'm doing right now. And it's been really fun. That works great too, because you can do it right from home. That's right. Know, right where you are. That's right. <laughs> so, and it does get you in yeah. touch with that like creative side, right? Like you can mm -hmm. kind of, you get to make the decisions about yeah. how much or how little you want to do. Exactly. Yeah. That is amazing. And and then you can reach people all over the world, you know, right from That's there. Right. And you never know who God is going to point to the podcast to listen and that guest that they needed to hear. Yeah. So that's cool. And I want to switch gears a little bit and this all connects really, but I know we were talking a little bit earlier about the subject of comparison as you were talking about, you know, your podcast and you cover different subjects and when we were talking about some of the different things that we could talk about on our podcast here, our episode, uh, I thought that was really a great topic to tackle because women do struggle with comparison. I know men do too, but when we're talking primarily to, 
you know, women, you have a, another way that they can look at comparison. So if you could expand a little bit about that for us. Sure. Well, this started happening for me when a, a lady named Abigail Dodds, I heard, I read an article of her and then I actually heard her on a podcast and she said this, she said, comparison is a fundamental part of being human because it's how we acquaint ourselves with reality. Mm. And that really sent me on this and some other things she said really got me thinking about, okay, how do we always think about comparison as women? I mean, even as men, we often say, you know, don't compare yourselves to others. Comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. But then I started kind of doing a little bit of research and looking around and thinking, okay, one of the very first things we do when we go to school is we get handed this piece of paper that says, compare the two objects. What yeah. are the differences and what are the similarities? And then we get a little bit older and they give us, you know, the graph with the intersecting circles. Mm -hmm. And on one side, you write how the two things, you know, what does this have in common? All that you write goes in the middle. And I think the reason why we get taught that is because it does help us acquaint ourselves with reality. How do we know what good and bad is if we don't compare? Mm -hmm. How do we look at Jesus and know what to do if we don't look at our own lives and go, okay, Jesus said, feed my sheep. And he, how does he do that? Mm. Well, I'm not doing it because I see Jesus doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So comparison doesn't always have to be this thing that's a horrible, you know, thing to do. It's, it's a lot of times how we do it. And so, you know, I, I had come to Romans 12 too, and it's like, we are commanded to not be conformed to this world. And the way that it tells us to do that is to renew our mind and then to test and approve what God's will is. And so I started thinking like, what is testing? Mm -hmm. I mean, isn't testing kind of comparing? Like, mm -hmm. how do you test yeah. the will if you don't compare? Yeah. And so the whole thing just kind of blew my mind, if I'm being honest with you. <laughs> like, whoa, wait just a minute. We've been told all this time not to do it, but it's such a natural way of thinking. Mm. And the problem so, so often comes down to we acquaint it with two realities. You know, either I don't measure up mm -hmm. or I'm better than. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, so it's kind of got to be a mindset shift for us. You know, like, what is it? A, why am I comparing myself to the person's Instagram square? Why am I actually comparing myself to her? Right. Okay. Is it because she has a cute home? Well, why do I want a cute home? Why does that actually matter to me? Okay. Can you, does, does your answer point towards godliness and holiness? Mm -hmm. Most of the time we can say no, or maybe we can say I really like that house because it seems cozy mm. and peaceful. Okay, well, what can you do to adopt things that you see there to put into practice in your own home to make you have more of a cozy feel? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I guess I started looking more at comparison in that sense of let's use it as a tool 
to actually facilitate change instead of making us feel guilty and less than or better than. I love how you were explaining that about comparison, Amber, because it is so true how comparison has a bad rap. We always go to the negative of comparison because oftentimes it just reminds us of the things that could creep out when we're comparing ourselves, you know, things like jealousy and envy, you know, it it could make us feel bad about ourselves because we don't have, you know, that what looks like a perfect family or the perfect house or whatever. So, yeah. So that is a great thing that you were talking about as far as let's take a temperature check. Let's see what, what it is and just kind of break it down and, and see well, what and that's something it. like a lot of times I will say, you know, I'll ask myself and other people, how do we begin to have a healthy relationship without completely taking it off the table? Mm-hmm. Because what I've learned too about even things like brain neuroplasticity, right? Like all yes. this brain information coming out and how people are just linking so much about our emotional health and spiritual health and all of that goes together. So I've learned like, just looking at somebody and saying, do not do this, rarely actually has long-term impact. Instead, it's more of a, okay, why do I do this? Mm -hmm. Why do I need to either not do this or look at it differently? And so that's kind of where that heart check comes in of, you know, why am I comparing? Mm -hmm. And then actually answer the question for yourself. Yes. And, you know, is this comparison breeding sinful behavior in me? Mm -hmm. Or is it pointing me to godliness? And then, you know, like, am I glorifying God with the outcome? And as I begin to ask myself that question, it's become a lot easier to stop the negative train and instead, you know, what I call good fruit, bad fruit. You know, the good fruit of comparison can be things like it motivates you towards change. Mm -hmm. Um, It can motivate you to become more self-controlled. It can, you know, just, there are good things. It can help you to model Jesus. How do we model Jesus if we don't ever compare ourselves to him? Yes. And it's not comparing yourselves to a him in a way of, I feel so guilty that I'll never be perfect. Mm -hmm. It's more of like, oh, he's called us to be an imitator. Be an imitator of God. Be an imitator of Christ. But we cannot imitate him if we don't ever compare our character and our actions to his character and actions. So that's just my two cents. Yeah, I like that. And I like how you were saying it is a mind shift. It's like, yeah, we have to make a shift in our thoughts. And I do like how you brought up with our brain, how, you know, what negative thinking versus positive thinking can do to our brain physically. That's right. It's so fascinating. (laughs) It is. I mean, and now that's the thing, right? There's actual research, you know, it's like, okay, God's been saying all along, take your thoughts captive in a, you know, renew your mind. And it's so hard to practically do that. Yeah. But then you have all this brain research that comes out that says the way that you do it is by replacing the lies, the negativity, the just do not, do not, do not with actual action steps to really create new pathways in your brain for a different way of thinking. Mm. So it's so logical too, because we think about, okay, if we don't eat right, it's going to affect our body. We're not going to be, 
working at our optimum level of being able to be energized and do what God's calling us to do, you know, we're going to see it in the weight, in cholesterol, in our blood work, you know, it affects everything. So thoughts are like feeding our mind junk. So it's the same as if we just had a whole diet of junk food. So it just makes so much sense. And like you said, God like already told us all this and he's like, well, I need you. And this is why I'm telling you this. Right. And so that's so cool, but it's, it's a great reminder and it's very encouraging because when we're intentional and aware of it, Mm -hmm. because oftentimes things can creep in, the enemy likes to do that. He's like, letting us do it without even thinking about it. And next thing you know, slipping into the pit, you know? (laughs) Oh, and it does, it happens so fast. And that's Mm -hmm. something else that I have really started just trying to embrace is it is a slow process. Change, you know, we come to know Jesus and it is this immediate, you're a new creation. Meaning you are now, you know, dead to that sin, that previous sin, you are no longer held captive to it. But the slow change is in how we're becoming more and more Mm Christ-like. And I mean, the the God's word clearly says like that will not be complete until the day of Christ Jesus. And so when I'm beating myself up, which is frequently, I don't want anyone to think that I don't compare myself because that's the whole reason why I started digging into this whole idea (laughs) is because I spent way too much time doing that. But, you know, at the end of the day, I can say, okay. God, you will not be finished with me until the day of Christ Jesus. So it's a slow process and you have to believe that you're going in the right direction. You know, you're Mm -hmm. making progress, even if sometimes you can't see it until you actually look back. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That is so true for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And to like talking to God about it, it's like, Lord, I don't know why I'm looking at this person and thinking these things. And can you please help me like, you know, yes. redirect my thoughts and that's right. And the way you look at it. So definitely an important subject to talk about and that it is not always the thief of joy. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so it's great. It's just whatever the mindset is. Awesome. And another thing kind of segueing into that, because when we start thinking that way, it does bring peace that surpasses all understanding. Like we can have a peace rather than always feeling anxious or, you know, comparison obviously causes strife within ourselves. you know? So then you have another thing that you also like talking about, which is a weekly Sabbath rhythm. Mm -hmm. So that kind of flows right into that. And, And so tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. And so this is something too, that we I actually just had a series on my podcast about this and my husband and I even sat down and talked for one episode for people because it was about a year, maybe two years ago now. And my husband, he doesn't run his own business, but he, you know, he's the, I, I mean, he's the boss of the people where we're at in our community. And so, you know, with that comes a lot of stress and a lot of responsibility. And I mean, he's just burning it at both ends all the time. And no matter what, it just felt like we just could not slow down. And I mean, even though I'm a stay at home mom of three, I just was stressed out a lot. You know, on the weekends, it was get everything done that you couldn't get done all week and basically expect everybody else to do it. But 
we heard a sermon at our church. I started reading a couple of books. The Art of Rest by Adam Mabry is a great one. Um, 24-6 by Dr. Matthew Sleeth is a great one. Uh, we became a part of Family Teams, which is just an organization where they really promote the family as being a team, you know, one unit, but looking at it as in like everybody has this role to play. If you've ever played on a sports team, that analogy can really make sense. Mm. And they talked a lot about a Shabbat meal, which was, you know, basically just a Friday night special meal. You can have it any night of the week. So that kind of got us thinking on this, you know, why would we want to do that? Well, it was because a lot of research has come out that people who, you know, Christians are leaving the Christian faith incredibly fast right now. Children are growing up, they're leaving their homes, and they're not continuing in it. But Jewish faith, Mormon faith, a lot of other faiths are seeing the greatest retention of youth in their faith. And they've, some research has found that a lot of that is because they have these traditions in their family where they spend a lot of time around the table. And we hear mm -hmm. that table talk all the time, Right. but it'll be maybe like, not just every night of the week you gather around the table for your normal meal, but a couple of real intentional meals where you're focusing on what you believe and really asking your kids, you know, what did you love about this week? Whatever that rhythm looks like for you. And so we decided to start doing that on a Friday night where we bless both of our kids, you know, the male, the head, the oldest generation male will bless the males in our family. I, the oldest, you know, female will bless my daughter and just saying, you know, we hope that you have the faith of Mary, the righteousness of Christ. And what we started seeing when we did this meal every Friday night, we kind of make it special, um, light candles, things like that was that the kids really looked forward to it, mm. but they also just found this safe place. Like we can expect every Friday night, something very enjoyable to do. We, and we eat dinner around our table most nights of the week. So it wasn't, we don't have mm. kids that are, you know, high schoolers where everybody's running in a different direction yet. But there was something about gathering around this table. Sometimes grandma would send a video about a story from her childhood. We just, we play games afterwards. Sometimes it's complete chaos because I have a 10, 7, and 4-year-old. Mm. But we still saw this type of rest we had not seen before. And so we decided to put that through noon on Saturday for us. And started realizing that, you know, rest is actually a time of saying, God, I trust you that you can get it all done the other six days of the week. Mm. It was not so much of an I'm weak or, you know, did God rest on the seventh day because he was weak? No, he didn't. Mm. He rested out of restraint to say it's finished. It's all been done. Now I'm going to rest. And he did that as an example for his people. Mm. I love that. <laughs> to say like, you need it. This is for you to connect with me, to enjoy the things I've given you and to realize, you know what? You have limits on your life. Mm. You can't do it all. You can't be everything for everybody. You actually need some time set aside to commune with the living God. And so I'm giving this to you as a gift and we just don't take it, right? Because there's, there's no way we can't get it all done. 
But we have found that setting that rhythm in our home and asking our kids three questions, which early on was, when do you feel the most rested in Jesus? When is that? Now, my four-year-old has no earthly idea, but that's Mm -hmm. okay. You put those ideas in their head to get them to start thinking in that mindset. You know, it's just like when you're trying to teach your kids how to read. What do you do to them? You read to them over and over and over again. ABCs. You say to them over and over and over again. So, you know, we ask them, when do you find the most rest in Jesus? When do you feel the most at peace? Like, when is that? And that's a hard thing for a 10-year-old. But the things Bennett said were so helpful for us. And then the third one just being like, when do you feel like you actually do connect with God? And, you know, for Bennett, it was uh, my oldest son. He was like, in my bed, I always feel just peaceful. And, like, that's where I can talk to Jesus. And so Mm -hmm. now I can look at him sometimes and say, I know you're angry right now. I know you're frustrated. And you have every right to be. But this is an opportunity for you to go to your room in your bed where you feel safe, where you feel like you connect with Jesus and just let him like share your emotions, Mm. talk to him, calm yourself down. And so not only has it been something that we just practice in this period of Sabbath for us, but it's also something that our kids are starting to see like, okay, there are times when I can slow myself down. And it's starting to spill over into the rest of the week. Like it's okay to not feel like you have to grind it out all the time. Mm. As a matter of fact, it's actually what God desires is for us to come to him and just trust that he will get it done. That's so beautiful. Uh, That's amazing. I just enjoyed listening to that. It was just so restful and peaceful just hearing you explain all of that. (laughs) And how beautiful it is because you did say it's not anything different, you know, like it, you all eat around the table all week long, but this is a special sacred time. Yes. And that's so precious. And then the things that you ask your children, because you know how kids can be, they come out with things and you go, wow, you know, you didn't even really realize that those little things were, you know, brewing inside and their thoughts and all of that when they feel comfortable and safe to share how they're feeling about those things. And that's so precious. And I love the, you said it's like, it's called the Shabbat. That's right. Which is a Jewish custom. That's how they used to, I mean, that's how they still kick off every Sabbath. Yeah. Is with a Shabbat meal. And so that's just what we've chosen to continue calling it Mm -hmm. because it does kick us off into this rest. And, you know, we've had people ask us, how do you do it with your kids? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, our kids are not sitting around um, all peaceful all of Saturday morning and we're just, you know, singing Kumbaya and it's great. (laughs) It it takes work Yeah. in the sense of it takes preparation leading up. Like tonight is our Shabbat. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I've meal planned. I know what we have to do. Sometimes Shabbat or Sabbath for us is I really feel rested when I can have some one-on-one time with my kids. So Mm -hmm. before this pandemic, it may look like, okay, I'm going to take Zoe out and we're going to just sit and have a snack and we're going to play a game. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, Bennett and I are going to go on a walk together. Or, you know, because we have young kids, it may be, Sam, you go ahead and go take your time and have a nice long walk out in nature where you get to pray and have some silence and solitude while I'm at home with the kids. And then we'll swap off. And so 
don't, you know, I don't want anybody to think like, oh, it's beautiful and you just must have perfect kids. Oh no, no, we don't. <laughs> but I do know the more we've done it, mm-hmm. the more the kids are learning how to do it with us. Yeah. I love how it is creating that close bond, that yes. family bond. And as you were explaining earlier, which is very fascinating statistically, like when, yes, you know, people, you know, like when our kids grow and then at what point they might choose to leave the faith versus some of the other cultures are seeing that their kids are not because based on how they're grounding and bonding together in that firm foundation. Yeah. And that's exciting. I remember hearing a sermon one time that was talking that in the, the pastor was talking about Sabbath rest. And he was saying, you know, it doesn't have to look like you're just sleeping on the couch. It's like, if you enjoy gardening, if you enjoy like cooking, you know, that might be work to one person, but it's restful to someone else. That's exactly right. And that's why I can't remember the exact quote, but it is a quote my husband shared in our episode together was, you know, if all week long you work with your hands, Mm -hmm. then on the, you know, when you're resting, you're probably going to work with your mind. But if all week long you work with your mind, when you're resting, you may want to work with your hands. And so that's not the exact quote, but that idea of, yes, for him, woodworking can be very restful. Mm. So on Sabbath, he may be outside working with wood. And um, yeah, I mean, some people like you go for a run on your Sabbath. Yeah, because for me, that's a way for me to really clear my mind and one of the ways that I best connect with God. And so that's really what it's about. When do you feel the most rested and how do you best commune with God? Yeah. And I love how it begins with a meal because Mm -hmm. we see that all throughout the Bible and the feasts and it's all around, you know, the table. And I love that one organization It's called neighbor's table. Oh yes. Yeah. I had, I had, um, Sarah on the podcast. She's such a delight. I did. I need to have her online. Oh yeah. She'll do it too. And she's so kind. Oh, I just love, I've always had a heart for that. And it just is. And if, the listener isn't familiar with neighbor's table. It's just something that started, I think what in her barn and then her dad started making these tables that you just like invite community. Yeah. To sit I mean, around you your know table. how it started for her was on the next door app in her neighborhood. She was like, I didn't know any of my neighbors. Mm-hmm. And I just decided I was going to get on the next door app and I was going to invite everybody to a potluck meal at my house. And at that time I didn't have a table that would fit all these people, <laughs> but I was like, we're just going to do it. And all of a sudden, people just started walking down her driveway with all these different dishes, and she got to know people. Mm. And then that led to her making tables. And, you know, now she makes these tables that seats like, I I can't remember how, I mean, they make different ones, but I can't Mm -hmm. remember how many seats, but she drives and delivers every single one across the U.S. personally, primarily to facilitate that, you know, this is a Mm. table for yeah. not for people to gather, not just, you know, people inside your home. And so it's very, um, it's, a, it is an incredible organization, very yeah. encouraging all about hospitality. That's precious. I, cause I could just picture a table in the side yard with yeah. the, you know, those outside lights that you hang right. that look like light bulbs, you know, yeah. I, I just love that feel. And then I know when you go to the website, you can see how you could even put two together and right. make it bigger. And, you know, you could, 
put it in different ways in a square or, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. And so that's so amazing because I didn't know that she was on your podcast. I'm going to have to check that episode out. So sweet girl. (laughs) Invite her. She's great. I should do that. I love that. And, and I do love that whole thing about the Shabbat and how you explained how that works. Yeah. And it's kind of cool because we're, recording this on a Friday. That's right. Night's the night, right? Yeah. And so, and it's just, it's a reminder that we can build those spiritually good habits with Mm -hmm. our family. And you know, there's often times where families may not be able to be together or there's all different types of family. Like some families may um, be experiencing some difficult times, you know, there might be like kids are with mom, that's right. Weeks, kids with dad, you know, so, but it can be done in your home, just however it can be done, you know, however God leads. And it's just a beautiful thing. And if you don't have children, um, you can invite, you know, like the neighbor's table thing. That's right. Invite invite friends, do a Friday thing, maybe even switch off on whose home you meet in. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I love that. That's great. And the whole thing swinging back to as you call it, the weekly Sabbath rhythm. Yeah. It's been a gift. We've been doing it since January Mm -hmm. and, um, it can be tough, but it's a time we turn off our tech. Now our kids still will watch their morning Saturday morning cartoons, but we've even talked to them about that. You know, as you get older, things will just change to where we'd like for you to spend that Saturday morning, just learning again, how to be with God, because so many of us who are Christians, we want to follow Jesus, but we yeah. have such a hard time just being with him. Yes. Yeah. And it's such a great message too to the kids that it doesn't have to be a Sunday morning only. Right. You know, that's important. It's like it, it's an everyday. It's like part of our life. It's like an everyday thing. You know, God yeah. is just right there with us all the time and how, you know, your your son loves to meet with with the Lord and, you know, when he's in his bed and talk to him there. And that's, that's right. just so sweet. I love it that. Is. Kids come up with two of the most amazing things. I mean, really, when you think about it, there's not like a little mini Holy Spirit. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the kid, you know, the kids that are, you know, are, are believers and understand and everything. They, they have the same Holy Spirit that we do. <laughs> well, yeah. And then it's so nice too. Like, for example, with my daughter, she went for some one-on-one time last week with my husband, you mm-hmm. know, things again, aren't all opened up, but he said, well, I'll take you out for a donut. And so they went and got a donut and they just sat at a park and, you know, he drank a cup of coffee. She ate a donut and he said, she was asking me about prayer. And now my daughter's mm-hmm. seven years old. And so, but the honesty So these, sometimes when you, you know, for me, like I said, connecting with my kids one-on-one is very restful for me um, because I just don't feel like I ever get to do that. But it's because of conversations like this, where she had with her dad, she said, you know, dad, I just don't really feel like I, I need to pray or that I have a reason to pray. And Sam was able to talk to her about things like, well, you know, you're very fortunate to be in this safe family. And so you know, why sometimes we feel like things have to be going bad to pray, but what prayer really means is not just, you know, asking God for things or petitioning him, Mm. but sometimes it's just saying, you know what, Jesus, I'm so thankful that I just get to sit out here on this trampoline and be with my friends. Mm. And that helped her so much to be like, you know, that's right. Prayer is not just me feeling like I got to go to him when I need something. 
Yeah. You can just talk to him. It's just a conversation. Yeah. You can tell him anything, good, bad, happy. So, you know, it really facilitated some good conversation and deeper understanding. Yeah. And how sweet that she knew that that was her special time that she had time where she could share that or ask questions yeah. or whatever. Cause I know, you know, kids might have a lot of things on their minds, but they just don't know how to time it out when to ask. And so it's nice to give them that, that time, that quiet time where they can just share their heart. That's right. Which is precious. And that's something too, that adults need to hear as well, you yes. know, because a lot of people intimidated by even just the word prayer, you know, I and, know. and it, it doesn't have to be something like, certain words that you say or whatever, right. but it's just like, it, it's a form of worship. It's talking to God. And that's right. And so being that's with really him. sweet. Yeah. And he calls us to come to him as children, you know, like childlike faith and all yeah. of that. So honest, you know, you can be honest with him. Yeah. You don't have to hide your emotions, your feelings. Like he, I think that's the most freeing thing. So often we feel like, oh, I can't go to God. Cause I feel like all I can do is ask him for stuff. And I'm like, no, no, you can always yeah. just talk to him. Anything. Yeah. And remember to do, yeah, that's a great point because it's just like, you know, how would we feel if all our kids ever did when they wanted to call and talk to us was because they needed something. That's right. Or they only call when they need something or they only, so. Yeah, or, and uh, I mean, and on the flip side of that too, not just talk to him, but listen. Yeah. That, that is a thing <laughs> like that. Yeah. He hears us. Yeah. And I've been I, having to practice that a lot lately, like yeah. to sit and quiet mm -hmm learn to practice quiet and try to listen. Yeah. And just see what he has to say and connect. So that's beautiful, Amber. And speaking of connecting and all that, how can the listener connect with you and tell us a little bit about how they can find your podcast and everything? Yeah. So my podcast is called Grace Enough Podcast, and you can listen to it anywhere. I mean, Spotify, um, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places. It's graceenoughpodcast.com. But just like so many podcasters, and probably true for you too, Doris, you know, we don't get to connect with our listeners. So if you listen to a show of mine, of Doris's, wherever, connect with us on social media. Send us an email. The social media um, place where you can find me the most is Instagram or Facebook. Mm -hmm. And both of those are grace enough podcast underscore Amber. And so I would love to hear from any of you. Oh, great. I hope that the listener will reach out and thank you for saying that. Cause yeah, we want to, we want to see like what is resonating with the listener, you know, how has the listener taken action or, you know, it's, it's exciting to hear from the listener. That's right. It is. It's very nice to get feedback and just, even if it's just hello, we yeah. really appreciate right. it. Like, hi, you know, we're, we're, you know, here for you and we're all in this together. So I appreciate you being on the show today, Amber. I hope to have you back on sometime. Thanks so much, Doris, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Well, we'll be um, looking out for all you have going on with Grace Enough and checking those out, those podcast episodes, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. I hope what Amber had to share with us today inspired and encouraged you to take another look at how we view comparison and that you might be encouraged to begin a new rhythm with Sabbath rest. God calls us to rest. 
He does not want us worn out. And he was the first one to give us that wonderful example of what that's supposed to look like. You can connect with Amber at graceenoughpodcast.com, her Grace Enough Podcast Facebook page, and her Grace Enough Instagram page. I'd also love to connect with you. So subscribe to this podcast, then hop on over to daraswift.com and sign up for my personal email list. I would love to have you. And my subscribers are first to hear about great resources, podcast news, and book news. I'd love to read this wonderful blessing from Numbers for you. It's one of my favorites, and it's probably one of yours too. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. God is good all the time. He loves you, sees you, and has a fierce calling for you. Listen for his voice above all the noise of the world and find his peace that surpasses all understanding. Walk in your fierce calling as we join together for the furtherance of the kingdom. I hope you'll join me next time when I invite another woman who's taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend, have a blessed week, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.